Hello, and welcome to The Canadian Story, where we discuss what Canada is, what Canada could be, and what Canada should be. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Canadian Story. Today, we are joined by Yukon Ali. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much for having me. This is exciting. We're excited too. This um, is our first Yukon guest, by the way, which it is. we're all very excited <laughs> I, about. I think I went on yay. a trip to the Yukon in 2018, one of my favorite road trips of all time. We drove from Vancouver. We tried to get all the way up to Tuktoyaktuk, but uh, we got hit by a blizzard in, in Tombstone National Park, so we weren't able to make it all the way. But one of my favorite oh, wow. trips I've ever been on. Um, so, what do you love about Canada? And actually, specifically, what do you love about the Yukon? What What brought you there? You're now building a brand around it. Your love for it is is contagious. Tell us a bit about why you love this place. Oh, there's so many reasons why you you can love the Yukon. You just you enter it and you feel like you're in a whole different world. Honestly, it's true. Everything is bigger in the Yukon. I don't the bugs, the moose, <laughs> the, the bears, everything. It's just it really is majestic. That's probably the best word I could use to describe it. And the first time I came up here, I fell in love with it. And specifically Dawson City. You like you show up in town, the dirt roads, the wooden sidewalks, the old buildings that have been restored, some that haven't. It's just got this kind of magical feeling. And I just love it. And the 24 hours of daylight doesn't doesn't hurt when you're uh Need to yeah, get all your summer. work done in yeah. six months. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, and also yeah. the famous uh, toe shots that happened there, which I took part oh. in. And I mean, Did there's... You? Oh, yes. Wait, hold uh, on. What, what are those? There's, so there's a... You take a shot with a with a petrified human toe in it. And you have to... And the, and the toe has to touch your lips. What? Yeah. yeah. Whose idea was Seriously? that? Well, so this... I, I, well, you know, why don't you tell the story of it? Well, yeah, I think it was somebody that was on the Yukon Quest or something, and he lost his toe to frostbite, and it, uh, he donated it to the downtown hotels. They came up with this drink, and it really is a great way to get people into the Yukon, I tell you. But actually, somebody swallowed one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so now I think they have a lineup of people that are willing to donate their toes. <laughs> For this, for the sour <laughs> drink, yeah, and it's, no, yeah. Honestly, honestly, this this uh, old sourdough guy, he comes and with his hat on and gives you this big speech, and you have to have hard alcohol, and yeah, it's got to touch your lips, and if you do swallow it, they, you, it's like a fifteen hundred dollar fine. <laughs> yeah, and you have to sign so, a waiver saying you'll pay a fifteen hundred dollar fine if you yeah, swallow yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, so um, what hard liquor does one, generally speaking, pair with a human toe? <laughs> uh, well, you can do whatever you want, but they suggest Yukon Jack. So, and yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, I, I drag everybody in there that comes up to visit. <laughs> yeah, you got to. I mean, it's just like one of those things you just have to do, right? <laughs> That's, yeah. That, that is hilarious. Okay. So, uh, for everyone who, doesn't know who is Yukon Alley and what do you do? Oh, I'm just a girl that likes to dig in the dirt and wash rocks. I uh, grew up on a farm in Saskatchewan and I spent my first 15 years there. Then we moved to BC 
And I met Alan in 2010 and he had been gold mining for like 15 years and brought me up here. And yeah, I just fell in love with it and I can't imagine doing anything else. So tell us a little bit of what the lifestyle of gold mining is like, and maybe a bit if you can, or you want to the history of gold mining in the Yukon. Well, it started with the gold rush up here, right? In 1897, 1898. And um, they discovered gold on, it used to be called Rabbit Creek. And it's just started a flood of people. And I don't know if you've ever read the books or seen videos of the stampede of people that tried to get into Dawson, like over that Chilkoot Pass. And you had to have 2000 pounds, I think it was of supplies, or they wouldn't let you through. The RCMP would stop you at the Chilkoot Pass and turn you back if you didn't have your supplies. Like the fortitude of those old timers, it's, it still shocks me. It's just insane. And I, on this Creek we're on, um, there is a lot of shafts that we're digging up, like handmade uh, shafts, tunnels down like 50, 60 feet. They tunnel down in the winter to get pay dirt, haul it back up to the ground and sluice it in the spring. Like it's absolute insanity. Yesterday I dug up a shaft and there was an old sock <laughs> at the bottom <laughs> of the shaft. Honestly, yeah, there was a hole in the in the where his big toe should have been. So I guess. And oh, maybe and there there I, it is. Maybe that's where the toe came from. That <laughs> could be. It could be. But yeah, it's. I don't. It's a lifestyle. You're out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, you do have. Uh, we have internet, satellite internet. It's not great, but you have all your amenities. But you're still living off the grid. I'm two hours from town. I can't just run to the store to get bread or you know you're uh living by generator and or solar and you work long hours because you only have six months you have april till october basically to uh get all your work done for the year so yeah it's um it's not for everybody it's hard work so you Met Alan, you go up there. Tell us about your first experiences there, acclimatizing to the different sort of lifestyle. What are the major differences? And what do you kind of find bring like brings you day-to-day meaning and joy out of the occupation? And like just what is the experience like? Well, our story, mining together, started in 2016. Um, he was bankrupt. We were all both almost broke. We, uh, we had one excavator that we hauled up there and uh, we started digging around. And my first thought was, what in the H-E-L-L am I doing here? Yeah, <laughs> what, yeah. This, this is crazy. <laughs> We're digging holes all over the valley and shoveling 200 shovelfuls of rocky dirt through this little test box to do a one-yard test to see if there was gold on this Creek that could, could uh, be viable for us to, you know, build a life on. And the first few, uh, the first few weeks weren't pretty. There was a lot of crying and praying. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We did. We, uh, we finally found a spot and it was thawed luckily because we only had the one excavator. And I thought, you know what? It, it hooks you. 
when you see gold show up, like people talk about gold fever and that's a very real thing. It does crazy things to people, some people. So I thought, well, this is a pretty cool way to make a living. Like I love machinery. I love being outdoors. I love running equipment. And I thought I finally found my calling. I didn't, I had no idea. I've gone through life going, oh, let's try this. I went to university and got a degree and I, you know, worked in casinos and ran marinas and campgrounds and did real estate and various other things. And I was always bored. And I come up here and it's, it's, it's a gamble, right? Right. Everything's a gamble. Yeah. Yeah. It's exciting. That's right. That thing, gold is where you find it. It's very true. (laughs) right right yeah (laughs) yeah so but that's it just it hooked me yeah so I can't imagine doing anything else so now you're up there you've been there for I guess five years that you guys started this and what was like what is the winter like so you're not you got the six months to work and then what are you doing in the winter are you still up there are you traveling or no, I, uh, my mom is uh, in Kamloops and she's not doing that well. So we spend the winters um, in Sun Peaks at the ski hill, which is close to her. So we get to ski and look after mom. And yeah, that's so it's, it's hard work in the summers and then uh, kind of enjoying the fruits of your labors in the winter. That's right. Well, yeah. that's that's the plan. It doesn't right. always work out. <laughs> right. And right. So, so in your summer, in, in the labor months, what are you like? How many hours a day? First off, how many hours a day do you generally speaking work? Well, we're really we're really small, so it's uh, there's only my nephew and his friend and Alan and myself. So there's four of us, four pieces of equipment plus the sluice plant. So we're working twelve to fifteen hours a day, wow. every day. Try and take one day off a week, but it's it's go time. It's basically just hard labor for 12, 14 hours a day. And you don't know if you're going to be successful. No, you don't. We try and do testing. uh, But if the ground's frozen, you can't test it. Right. (laughs) You start (laughs) scraping away. And uh, if you can get it down to the pay dirt level, gravel bedrock, we run a test and go, okay, yeah, let's, let's, uh, let's strip this ground or no, move on. So yeah, but once when you see shafts like that, and some of them are still sticking up out of the ground, that's how how dedicated they were. You um you kind of know. Well, if they're there, then there's, there's probably now something. Just, yeah, that's right. But you have to pray that they left you something because I they're like gophers, man, and some of them are really good. Like, right. <laughs> there's. <laughs> Well, actually, I'm really interested in that. So there was the gold rush. How much gold was kind of taken out? And what's it like now where there's obviously a lot of, like you said, a lot is they're like gophers. A lot has been taken. What is that like in the in the aftermath of that crazy rush? Well, yeah. I mean, they were everywhere. And I, I'm talking like hours out of Dawson City. So whether they got there by paddle wheeler or horse. I don't know, but to get out on those remote creeks, because after I think the first year, I think everything was staked around Dawson City. Like there was really, by the time all these people got up there, it was all the ground was gone close to town, right? So then they started going out to the more remote creeks 
and thousands and thousands of ounces were taken out like they would have gold pans full of nuggets there's pictures of gold pans just full of nuggets from a couple shovelfuls it's not like that now no i can guarantee you and if it is nobody's saying no <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're not yeah, gonna, yeah. They're not, they learned from talking about it and everyone finding out right <laughs> that's that's right yeah but um there's enough left because we have equipment right right so they don't get it all. The creek never flows in a straight line. Yeah, absolutely. Um, right, right. So there, it's, you know, it's like a snake. It squiggles, you know, down the valley. And if they, you know, hit thawed spots or maybe bedrock reefs or gravel bars, they'd have to go around it. So that's where our, we score, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. for, the, for our, our listeners won't know much about this. So can you kind of explain how gold works, how it's, cr- uh, how it's found, why it's in some areas and not in others, that, and, and the kind of the process that you use to find it and then mine it? Gold. I wish Alan was here because he could really explain it technically. But the ice age when when lands broke apart right and it's in quartz veins so when it did that it broke apart and it would run down the mountains in these creeks and the farther it travels with the water the more quartz breaks off of the gold so gold that hasn't traveled that far is really rocky and it looks porous and it's got lots of quartz in it and then the farther down the creek it goes, it almost looks smooth like a donut hole or like it's really strange. Um, so, and that's very true. Like it depends on where the land shifted when that happened, right? Some creeks are loaded with gold and the next creek over has absolutely nothing. Right. So, it's all natural yeah. through long periods of time, basically washing down the mountain. So, so basically millions the, the, of years. Yeah. 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 And, and when you're searching for it, you're basically looking for what signs would tell you that gold might be here besides former shafts without giving away your secrets. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. We do, we do a lot of testing and, and you can go by previous reports too, right? Most creeks have been mined by, by miners throughout the last century. So that, you know, because you have to pay your royalties to the Yukon government when you sell gold and there's records of that in the mining recorder office. So you can go look through that and say, oh, well, they had this, you know, they took out this much gold from this many claims and it's this percent because gold isn't pure when it comes out of the ground. Like it runs anywhere from 50 to 92 or 3 percent pure. So depending again on the creek you're on and how lucky you are. But uh, so we do a lot of testing if that's not available. So we'll typically try and find thawed ground and dig down. You dig down until you find bedrock because that's where the gold sits. It's in between, there's like a sweet spot of gravel and bedrock where the gold will settle. And it's the ancient creek bed you're looking for. So if you're looking at a creek bed now, that's most likely not 
the ancient creek bed that was running through here when gold was deposited. And it could be covered by everything. Like some, some miners out here are digging down 100 feet, 120 feet in the, in the ground to get to the original creek bed just because of sloughs and ice ages and you name it, right? So um, you kind of just have to do your due diligence. And a lot of people, you know, if you do that, you have a better chance of success. So then we'll start stripping and it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money and time in equipment, wages, fuel, uh, you know, breakdowns, wear and tear on the on machinery everything so it's uh yeah it's a lot of work but that's how we find it without giving away too much yeah i like that 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 is helpful for me so when you say stripping can you describe that process so we'll start at the uh the valley the top of the valley and you take off layers of dirt until so there's permafrost black muck um ice like it's frozen the yukon is permafrost it's permanently frozen so unless somebody has worked there before it's frozen right so you're either ripping through it with big machinery um uh, bulldozers and such or you wait for the sun to thaw and if you're doing that you're not going to be very successful (laughs) (laughs) You need the equipment and you, yeah, you strip it until you're down to the pay dirt and um, then you dig that out and it's, it can be anywhere from two to 12 feet of dirt more down. Wow. 12 feet. It can go all the way to 12 feet. Yeah, it can, depending on the bedrock, what type of bedrock you're in. So, and then, so with that, with all the, dirt we've moved after we're done in that valley you make sure the creek is stable and you reclaim the valley so a lot of people you know you you get harassed for mining because they think you're destroying the environment when we show up on these creeks like the ones that i've been on are really narrow it's muskeg it's it's frozen nothing grows more than a foot tall it's, right. there's nothing really there so when we're done with it, the valley's wider, we've sloped off, made all the creek beds stable, the valley's stable, and then stuff grows. You have willows and eco- whole new ecosystems show up. Rabbits are able to hide in these bushes and your settling ponds, all of a sudden you've got ducks and all kinds of all kinds of um aviary type of birds like they're everywhere it's amazing to see a before and after so you know i i don't like to argue with people about that because they have their opinion and you can't i don't know once you're senate you can't win an argument right but i'll just i just (laughs) no i like i'm glad you brought that up because i was going to ask how that works and i've always found that hunters, fishers, miners, farmers, they care more about the land and they understand the land better than a lot of the people who are criticizing them for how it's being used. What are, what are, and you, I like Thank the you. way that you, the, I like the way that you just described it where you're like, well, actually this is what we do and, and this is the result. Um, yeah. 
In terms of nature in the Yukon and what you've been able to see and experience, can you share a little bit about what that's like? Because when I got when I went there, it was a it was a totally different kind of nature, uh, and yeah, I, it's hard to describe to people, but I, but we could give it a shot, I guess, right? <laughs> you you have to see it yourself to believe it. Like especially us being out in remote locations, you see grizzly, you see black bears everywhere the moose I can't even begin to describe how big they are I you know what a one of those razor quads are they're quite high with the yeah, roof right yeah. they're probably five and a half six feet tall I could have driven under a moose I encountered <laughs> honestly wow under it with yeah. a razor <laughs> yeah honestly and porcupines did you see any porcupines (laughs) (laughs) i didn't but i grew up with a few of them there's a in alberta i saw i used to see them but they're they're probably big up there eh oh they are huge (laughs) you'll see them on the side of the road all the time and you stop and you just stare and you get out and they just waddle off they're running they look like this big ball of (laughs) toothpicks or something (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's 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 amazing to see and it is because it's so remote like I think you have a lot better chance of seeing all that kind of wildlife up here than you do anywhere else that's not been you know that isn't used to humankind right yeah yeah yeah, for sure have you had a scary run-in with a a bear or something like that lots it happens all the time yeah. Do you yeah. carry bear spray? So so share with us for oh. the hikers that listen to us and other people, how do you deal with a bear encounter? Because like you said, you've dealt with a bunch of them. <laughs> well, I, if it's if I'm on my bike, this nine times out of ten works. It's always worked for me, but if I'm on a quad and I encounter a bear on the road, I stand up on the bike to make myself look taller than him and i pin it and go right at him oh wow and they they run away they're scared they're scared of the noise they don't they don't like they've never heard that or it's scary to them it's loud so that works uh i don't think i'd recommend that as (laughs) (laughs) so that's not official advice ali's advice for bears charge them You You gotta do do what you gotta do, yeah. (laughs) So what you're saying is you're badass. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that was my only choice. I wasn't carrying bear spray or a gun. What are you gonna do? It's standing there staring at me. I'm like, oh, okay, let's give it a whirl. (laughs) And it, yeah, that works. But we do. We have guns. I don't like to shoot them unless. And that's another thing. Like we don't leave anything outside. Right. No, no food, food nothing, yeah. nothing that would, cause I don't want them in our camp. I don't, I don't want to have to kill something because it's our, that would be our fault. Right. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. but we do, we carry guns. So if they are in camp, some of them are just assholes, pardon the language, but, they'll just show up and they charge you. So um, most times though, I just shoot at them and it scares them and then they don't come back. So that's how we deal with it. I bear spray. I don't know. I, 
Yeah. Have you had the chance to see many wolves while you've been up there? Once. One. Yeah, I've and heard that. Still... I hear this all the time. It's so hard to see them, eh? Like they're they're so hard to get a a visual of. Yeah, it's that, and they. That was the weirdest, freakiest thing. We had a dog, a husky, and uh, we were in camp one morning, and the dog started crying, and I I was like, what What's going on? And he's crying. So I let him outside and I go outside with him and I hear this sound on the right side of the creek. And it sounded like this wounded baby moose. And I thought, well, that's odd. And, but the dog usually would go after it, you know, go see what's going on. He didn't, he was sitting there crying and I'm like, what is that weird? And then it stopped 10 seconds later on the left side of the creek, about 20 feet away, the same noise started up. And I looked over there and you could just see this thing staring at me in the trees. I'm like, oh, get the gun. Like they were trying to lure my dog. Oh, wow. Out. To wow. eat it. Wow. Yeah. And what was it like so, when you saw it? Like, like, could you see the full thing or was it just the eyes or... I saw his head and his eyes and we locked eyes and he took off and I'm like, Oh yeah, let's not do that again. (laughs) Wow. Wow. So you got to stare down a wolf. That's pretty cool. Yeah. 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 Another thing I wouldn't really recommend doing. (laughs) (laughs) What, uh, what is your camp? Like, do you like, is it, do you guys have trailers? Are you sleeping in tents? Yeah. yeah, trailers? No, I'm not sleeping in a tent. I'm very crazy. No. Excuse my ignorance. Yeah. I'm just very curious. Yeah. No, it's fine. You know what? Lots of people do. The hard rock miners, the hard rock exploration, they live in wall tents. Not really? for me. Lots of people do, though. Yeah, they do. Yeah. You, for for so, our listeners who no. don't know, can you share what a wall tent is? Uh, it's a canvas um structure it's uh it's a big tent it's but it's canvas they put floors like plywood floors on them and maybe half of the way up the wall but yeah they live in them and, and what's the difference between what what you do in hard rock because our our listeners aren't going to know the answer to that <laughs> i don't hard rock, know the answer to that. They, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hard, well we're placer mining so we're on the creek in the original ancient creek bed hard rock is in the mountain they're drilling they're looking for um they're exploring in the rock so they drill and they'll find samples and they go by tonnage to see what they're finding so yeah and it is a lot different i don't know a lot about it because i like i like placer mining that's my deal right right but yeah do you ever um when you're working a site, run into other miners or cross paths. Do you have, uh, what is, what are, what's the, what are the rules for like, if you're working a site and someone else shows up and wants to also work in the same area? They can't. How does that work? Claims, I guess. Right. Yeah. Claims. Like you yeah. lay claim to a certain area and then, yeah, des- describe That's the claim right. system for people. Cause they're not gonna, they're not gonna know what that is. Okay, so a claim is 500 feet long by 2,000 feet wide, 2,000 feet from the center of the valley, going both ways, like 1,000 feet each way. Um, so if you happen, if you're lucky enough to find a creek that hasn't been staked in the Yukon, you can do that. 
Right. <laughs> you go to the mining recorder's office, say you want to stake this ground, and they give you tags, and you go out in the tundra in the middle of nowhere, and every 500 feet, you pound a post in and um, put your, your tag claim. on there. Go. That's right. Go back to town and, and register it, and then you have to do assessment work because you have to keep you know, to prove that you want to work that ground, you do assessment work, you have to pay for your claims every year to keep them in good standing. You need water licenses, which are increasingly more difficult to get. Just, you know, it's a sign of the times, right? Yeah. What are the, what are the water licenses for? So that you can use water to um, sluice, right? Because you're taking water out of the creek, washing the rocks you're you're pay dirt and it's going back into the creek so we have settling ponds after our sluice plant and that settles the dirt out of the water and then it goes back into the main creek so that you're not harming the fish and the habitat that are in the waterways what kind of fish are in those creeks i haven't seen any but (laughs) apparently (laughs) there's graylings um salmon up here and not in ours but like yeah there's uh apparently that's what's here i never have time to go fishing there's a golf course <laughs> up working, here i still working. haven't seen it <laughs> <laughs> too busy working right. so yes. I'm, I'm very interested in what the uh kind of like social life uh is like up there like so i mean obviously the whole world has gone through this pandemic. There's been a lot of isolation, but you have lived in semi-isolation for a long time, especially in the summers. Yeah. How do you, like, I think it would be helpful for listeners to, to you probably have ways of coping with this, ways of thinking about it. And, and you know, you've lived it and it's your lifestyle. So like, how do you deal with kind of the isolation from other people? And what are kind of some of your strategies for dealing with that? Uh, well, I go for drives, you know, out in nature. It's, there is nothing that will reset your mind like a drive in nature. It's, I mean, obviously it's not for everybody, but there's something so calming about it. You're, you know, you can hear birds, you can hear water. It's, it's beautiful. And I'll do that by myself just to think about things and reset, you know, so that's handy. Um, there is nothing wrong with a campfire and a few beer. Right. Right. Yep. yep. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, and other than that, you, uh, talk to people on the phone and, and FaceTime. It's not the same. And I don't like this isolation thing. I like going home in the winter and, and being social. Right. So it's, we, we can, it's kind of, you're safe up here. Because we've all isolated all summer. There's no chance. (laughs) Yeah, no one's getting COVID up there, right? (laughs) Right? Yeah. So we can go visit other miners, friends, and hang out. And it's like nothing happened up here. That's the way I see it. Until you go into town. And yeah, you have to wear your mask in the stores and restaurants and stuff. But the casino was open last year and this year. So hello. Right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And they've so got we the, go they, there they, and oh sorry go ahead. They have Gertie, Gertie and the and the girls. They still yeah, do the shows. Yeah, I, I was gonna say yeah, they still do the old uh, burlesque shows and everything. Yeah, 
which is a and lot of fun. And they are awesome. They are awesome. Like it is well worth going to see just for that. It's cool. Yeah, it's a little piece of history that you can't really find in other places too. Yeah. So I want to go into this Yukon Alley uh, brand that you have, and what's uh, what's that all about? Why did you decide to do that? What is what are you trying to do with it? Is it to kind of support the Yukon, build an understanding of it, or what got you into into kind of this almost spokesperson role? Well, that is my goal. There's a lot of misinformation out there, and then you add the gold shows to it, and it's a lot of drama and, and not necessarily what actually goes on. Maybe it, I don't really watch them, but um, I, um, they're good. I mean, they're, people love it, but I like, I want to show the Yukon. They never say Canada, Yukon, whatever. I like, I'm proud of the Yukon. I'm proud of Canada. I'm proud of what we do here. And I like people to be informed on what, actually happens like our life is a gong show every day we don't need to make anything up so (laughs) yeah Yeah, absolutely so what 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 was it can you share the moment that you kind of decided to do this and the the process and and how it's working for you and 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 what your your goal is like what are you what are you trying to show people like what is it a what's that spirit of the yukon that you're trying to convey (laughs) Well, that's exactly it. The spirit of the Yukon. Right. That's a that's a really that's a really good saying. And I want to show that we're responsible. You know, you hear a lot of bad things too, but most of us are responsible and we want to continue doing this because it's our life. And we we want to do it in a sustainable, responsible way. And what happened, I really did it for my mom because she's not able to come up here. So I was throwing videos together and I couldn't send them from camp, but I'd go into town and this last winter, I thought, you know what? I have all these videos that I was sending my mom. I just started throwing them on YouTube and just describing what we were doing. And it's starting to take off, I guess. I mean, it's, um, it's just interesting. And I, people's comments on YouTube are just so awesome i've never had such positive they're all like this is great you actually are so helpful you actually educate us as well as showing us what you know the fun side of mining right and it kind of encourages me to just keep on doing that and i now i want to show reclamation videos to show yeah what it looked like that would when be awesome first, yeah yeah what would look like when we first started and what it looks like a year after we've reclaimed it so that everything's growing again. Cause it really does not take long with this daylight here. So. Right. True. Yeah. True. Oh, I guess yeah, you're not living, I guess you're not living up there when the, when the sun is, when it's dark the whole time, but uh, have no. you been up there during that? What's that? And you get to see the Northern lights. I imagine like oh stunning <laughs> yeah. yeah describe that yeah. <laughs> for have all ever, have you never seen them i've that? never well oh. i saw them like the the most piddly northern lights you've ever experienced <laughs> once in in cambridge ontario oh, wow. but it was just this uh this simmering v- like very 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 faint green hue to the sky and like i couldn't see anything right. moving but it was like but it was all over the news the northern lights are here <laughs> <laughs> yeah but what is it oh, actually like that- what is it actually oh, like? It 
it's like a dance across the sky. It just, it, it literally, they dance across the entire horizon and it changes color constantly. Green, blue, red, purple. It's amazing. It's like a firework show in the sky. Oh, it's, yeah. yeah one day, one day I will like see it. it. One day oh, I will see it. It is pretty. Also on, on that topic, another, another thing I wanted to ask, um, in the, I live in a city, right? It's got to be so quiet when your machines aren't running. What is that like? Yes. You know, it's that that's a good question because I love it. The sound of silence. There actually is a sound. You can you know, you hear everything. You can hear animals walking through the trees. You can hear the birds. You can hear everything. And when I come back to civilization, (laughs) in what I call civilization, in October, I find the traffic and the people actually drive me nuts for about a month until I get used to it again. Wow, right, because you're like, what is all this noise? Get out of my way. What are all these people? Doesn't anybody work? I mean, (laughs) while I'm driving. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Yeah. I, I've I've got yeah, to imagine so, it's it's got to be breathtaking to just be able to step out into nature and hear nothing but the wind in the trees, the animals moving through the the vegetation. It's it's got to be incredible. It is, and if you haven't experienced it, you really should. Sounds yeah. like I've got to come to the Yukon. I go to the Yukon. <laughs> <laughs> You have to come and you, you really should come in June around the summer solstice because you can stay up all night and it'll feel like it's still seven. <laughs> yeah. Like the sun never sets. That's right. Yeah. It just dances around and it gets back up there. <laughs> do you, do you find it's hard to sleep in broad daylight? No, I'm so exhausted. I, just, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I guess a 16 hour day will do yeah, that to yeah. you. Won't it? She's, <laughs> yeah. she's putting the hard work in. We do. Well, put like blackout windows in your bedroom, right? But it honestly, it doesn't bother me. It's, I don't mind. Yeah. It, how no, much? I love it. Do you have the opportunity to do any foraging? Like, do you eat anything off the land or do you get most of your food still from, uh, from town? No, I go to town. Yeah. I, uh, but we do like after a forest fire, you get the morel mushrooms the next year. Yeah. So we've done that, hiked up all over the mountainside getting morels, and they are delicious. But yeah, other than that, and my my uh, my neighbor, my minor neighbor, they're uh, um, natives, and she does everything. Wow! By traditional methods, and she taught me to pick off the spruce tips to make spruce tea and she would make fireweed jam and she would be, I'd show up at their camp and Eldria would be tanning a moose hide. Like honestly. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. They use everything she would. And her beadwork is just stunning. She does that. She'll make um, birch baskets with porcupine quills. Like I, learned so much from her like she's they're just amazing yeah wow yeah that that cool to see someone whose history has been there for so long and knows just every little piece of nature so well i imagine 
it's amazing. I learned so much and she's just such a sweet person. I just, I got mock, she made mock me a pair of moccasins with, with hide that she had like tanned herself. So that that is a special gift. That's incredible. (laughs) Wow. It is. That's yeah. that's a piece of Canadian history not a lot of Canadians get to experience. Yeah. That's so beautiful. Exactly. It is. It's it's awesome. Yeah. There's a lot of that up here. It's and that's another, you know, it's a really cool thing to come and see too, because there is a lot of it around. And a lot of people uh doing that, the beating and the the old traditional ways, and it's really cool to see. Yeah. Well, we got to end it pretty quickly here, but is there anything that you'd like to leave the listener with about the Yukon and your love for Canada? Well, I think we live in the uh, best place on the planet. I don't care where you are, whether you're in the Yukon, the prairies, Ontario, PEI, there is something beautiful in every corner of this country. And I think we're lucky no matter where we live. But if you are super lucky, you should come up to the Yukon and experience it. <laughs> there you go. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's certainly on my bucket list. I, I occasionally uh, do a Google search and just look at pictures of the Yukon because I love nature and I love <laughs> mountains and I love the remote and the uh, the opportunity to be alone. And I, I romanticize about all of those things. So one of these days I will be up there to visit. I, I you bet your bottom to dollar. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you need to drink the uh, the toe shot. I'm not sure about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you will at least when you're go there. To yes, yeah. at least go to <laughs> Well, thank you yeah. so much for your time. We really appreciate you coming on. And uh where do well, people thanks. where do people find your YouTube? Uh it's under Yukon Alley. Everything is Yukon Alley. Instagram, Facebook. TikTok, YouTube, Yukon Alley. I'm there. You know, for for spending your days out in the boonies, you're very connected on the socials. Yeah. You do both very well. Okay. Actually, I haven't been able to put any videos on YouTube because nothing will upload. TikTok will. So that's that's fine because they're short, right? But YouTube, yeah, my... Uh, the followers are like, when are you putting the video up? I'm trying. I got to go to town. And <laughs> I got to get internet. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, thank you but, so much for yeah. coming on. And you know what? Thank you for taking it upon yourself to show the world how much you love the place that you live. Well, thank you so much for having me and let, letting me talk about it. Thank you for listening to The Canadian Story. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at The Cad Story. That's the CAD story. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with your friends and family. Let's work together to remind Canadians how great their country is.